Good morning. So glad to see everybody here at Poplar Springs Baptist Church this morning. We hope you've had a good morning and hopefully a good week. You're starting off your week in a good place here at church, and we're glad to see each and every one of you. I have an announcement I'd like to share with you today. Uh, on November the 21st, we're going to have a Thanksgiving meal here at the church at the close of our service. We're just, it's going to follow the church service. We're going to be, meet down in the fellowship hall. And what we're going to ask, the church will provide the, the meats. We're asking everybody else to provide desserts and sides. Did y'all hear how I put that? Desserts and sides, okay? And so um, I hope you'll be able to come. This is a great time just to celebrate the goodness of God and how he's blessed us this past week. What kind of desserts? What kind of desserts? What kind do you want? I know you want banana pudding. I'm sort of favorable. I'm just saying. Banana pudding from somebody named Barbara? Miss Barbara? Okay. That was not planned, and so, but I'm glad it was done. But we're glad that, you, I hope you can make it that day. That's, I believe, two Sundays from now. And so we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a great time that we can celebrate with each other how good God has been with us through the times that we've gone through this year. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, we humbly come before you today. We thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much, Father, for... You blessing us this week. Lord, each one of us could give testimony right now how good you've been to us. Lord, you've protected us. You've led us. You've, give us. you've given us wisdom and guidance. You've helped us make hard decisions. And Lord, you've been there during the good times and the bad. So Father, we gather here today, Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, as we sing songs, Lord, we're going to sing um, in just a few minutes a song to honor our veterans. And Lord, we're so thankful for those men and women who are willing to serve our country in such a great manner. And Lord, we're blessed by having them in, in our congregation today. But Father, we're also here, Lord, mainly to worship you in spirit and in truth. And I pray, Father, that you'd prepare our hearts right now, Lord, to sing praises unto your name. And Father, to receive your word. And I pray that you'd just anoint mad at this time, Lord, as he's going to bring the word, your word to us today. Help us to hear, Lord, and not only hear, respond. And Father, we're going to praise you, Lord, for what you have in store for us. And we look forward to seeing your work being done on earth as it is in heaven. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this coming Thursday is Veterans Day. And I saw that on the calendar. And last year, we did not do this till after the Veterans Day. And some of the veterans told me, you need to do that before. In fact, I was afraid they were going to take me out and shoot me. And so I've decided we're going to do it today. We're going to do it before Veterans Day. So salute to the armed forces. We'll sing every, uh, every one of the uh, songs for the armed forces. And it's when your branch of service, your song is sung. Veterans, will you please stand? Now, we have some in... Uh, uniform, I think I know that uh, Carol Noble is in there. I saw him out there um, driving that go the um, golf cart this morning with that uniform on. It looks so official. I want to make a motion that we have him do that every week. <laughs> I just thought that looked really good. God bless you. 
When they, and when the veterans stand for whatever song is sung, if you folks will make them know that you appreciate them by clapping, applauding, you can shout, you can whoop it up, it'll be fine.
Amen. Thank you so much to all of our veterans and for you all for doing such a great job of making them feel as special as they really are. I want to invite you to stand uh, with us as we join our voices together in praising the Lord today.
remain standing for the reading of the word of the Lord today. We'll be reading from Psalm chapter 75, verses 1 through 10. We praise you, God, we praise you, for your name is near, people tell of your wonderful deeds. You say, I choose the appointed time, it is I who judge with equity. When the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. To the arrogant I say, boast no more, and to the wicked do not lift up your horns. Do not lift your horns against heaven, do not speak so defiantly. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down, he exalts another. And the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out, and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. As for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob, who says, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Thank you. It is okay to not be okay. I'm going to say that again. I believe that that's the truth that I need to hear this morning. And it's a truth that you need to hear this morning. It is okay to not be okay. Throughout my life, there have been certain times in my life, to be absolutely honest with you, that I was not okay. There were times where I struggled to put my faith in the Lord. There were times that I struggled to see that He was still on the throne. There was times that I struggled to think that He was in control of all things. I remember when I was 16 years old, about to turn 17, and I was about to go into my senior year of high school, I remember my mom and dad coming in and setting my brother and I down and telling us something that made me not okay. They sat us down and they told us that he and my mother had just been to a doctor's appointment and that my mother had breast cancer. And as they looked at us and they told us that, they said, look, we're not sure how bad this is. They think that it has spread, but we don't know how much it has spread. And as I sat there, things started going through my mind and I saw my mom and my dad. And of course, my mother was obviously upset by that. And to be absolutely honest with you, over the next several months and over the next several weeks, as my mother had to go through surgery and have the cancer removed, and as she had to go through a round of chemotherapy and a round of radiation and another round of chemotherapy, I would see my mother come home where she would have to go do that every day during certain periods of time throughout that treatment. And she would come home and she would be sick, and I would see her, and she was able to do absolutely nothing. And to be absolutely honest with you, there was times during that time where I was not okay. 
I would look at that and I would say, Lord, here we are. We were in we were in Australia. We were in Sydney, Australia. My family had gone to Australia to tell other people about Christ. And I would say, Lord, I do not understand this right now. Out of everybody. Why am I mother? And I would ask the Lord, why? I know that many times when you see someone stand behind this pulpit, you think that they've got it all together. There seems to be this attitude that if I'm standing up here, I'm an authority on whatever topic I'm speaking about. And I'm here to tell you today that's not true. I'm a human being just like you. I'm here to tell you today over the past several weeks as we've gone through what we've gone through recently and we've watched all of this unfold, to be absolutely honest with you, I've talked to different ones and they're not okay. To be absolutely honest with you, on certain days, I'm not okay. To be truthful with you, this past week, there was days that I was not okay. Those same types of thoughts come to my mind of asking God why. Those same thoughts come to my mind that I asked when I was 16, 17 years old. But I'm thankful for the Word of God and I'm thankful that the Word of God is sufficient. And as we look at this psalm this morning, this is what I want you to understand. I want you to, to picture in my, your mind a psalmist that is not okay. This is a psalmist that is asking why. As you look here in the 73rd Psalm, probably over the top of the 73rd Psalm, you have in bold in your Bible, there's a good chance that you have book three. The Psalms are split up into five different books and the editors of the Psalms did that and they did that for a reason and different ones talk about that reason. Some people say that they split the Psalms up into five different books because it echoed the fact that Moses has had the books of Moses. There's five books of Moses. There's five books of the law. Some people say that's the reason. But as you look at the Psalms, you see that many of the Psalms can be classified. And we're going to look at the 75th Psalm this morning and you're going to See that as many of you have already seen during Sunday school time and this past week as you've studied this psalm, it's pretty hard to classify this one. But if you look at the 73rd psalm and you look at the 74th psalm, it gives you a very good idea of what the 75th psalm is trying to say. Asaph is the psalmist here who's editing this and putting this together and writing all of this down. And in verse number 1 of chapter number 73, he says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But then he speaks to his own condition. He says, But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. I can relate to that. I'm sure that many of you can relate to that. Asaph is saying, look, when I look around at the wicked and I see the fact that, hey, look, they don't have illness. 
All they see is prosperity. And it seems like as Asaph goes through and he writes these psalms, it's almost like he bounces back and forth in asking these questions and not being okay to then looking back to God. And in verse number 12, it says, This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. He says, look at their prosperity. They're free of care. They act like they don't have a care in the world. And all they do is they are amassing wealth. And then he says in verse number 13, surely in vain I have kept my pure heart and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings me new punishment. Asaph was going through a time in his life for this individual who wrote this psalm was going through a time in his life and he's saying every single day it seems like there's new punishment he's saying hey look have i wasted my time have i kept my heart pure for no reason and then he'll go back and he'll answer himself and he'll speak concerning the lord in verse number 27 he says those who are far from you will perish You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge and I will tell of all your deeds. There he goes back and then he begins to praise the Lord again. In in chapter number 74, he opens up and he says, Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? He's back in that place where he's not okay. He says, why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Remember the nation you purchased long ago, the people of your inheritance, whom you redeemed. He's asking the Lord to remember them. And then we're going to see at the latter part of chapter number 74, how it ties in to the 75th. Psalm. In verse number 14, he says, Remember how the enemy has mocked you, Lord. How foolish people have reviled your name. Do not hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts. Do not forget the lives of your afflicted people forever. Now, verse number 20 is very important. There's a word in here. Have regard for your covenant. Because haunts of violence fill the dark places. Of the land. He's reminding God of the covenant that He has made with the people of Israel, with His people. Verse number 21 says, Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. May the poor and needy praise your name. Rise up, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. Many people have different things to say about this psalm and they try to, they try to frame it at a certain time and that some people think this is when Israel's enemies were fighting against them and some people think that this is possibly during the divided kingdom, already in the divided kingdom and how that there was even skirmishes between Israel and Judah and he's talking about these enemies here and he's asking God to remember them and he says, Lord, you need to remember your covenant with your people. He's someone who is not okay. But as he comes to the 75th Psalm, he answers what he said in the 74th Psalm. Now we don't know if in the, what the time frame was here. All we know is that the editors of Psalms put this Psalm directly after this. And I believe that they were answering what was said in the 74th Psalm. 
As you look at the 75th Psalm, like I said, it's kind of hard to classify this psalm. And if you read after different scholars and theologians, the reality is, is that they even argue which one's speaking at what time. They're trying to figure all of this out. There's possibly up to three different groups or three different people speaking in this psalm. And then we're going to try to trace back and forth and go back and forth with who we think is speaking here. But it's very obvious that someone speaks for God. And God himself speaks. The heading of the 75th Psalm, it says, For the director of music to the tune of Do Not Destroy, a psalm of Asaph, a psalm. Many people don't realize this, but that is actually a part of Scripture. That is unlike the other headings in your Bible. You see different headings in your Bible, but that is actually a part of Scripture. And it helps us frame what this psalm is all about. And it's very obvious that just as we finished singing praises to our God this morning, this was a song. And it actually even gives the tune in which they were supposed to sing it to. Now, a lot of people look at this as a very liturgical psalm and how that possibly it begins with a congregation singing and then someone is speaking for God and sings back to them. And it goes back and forth like that through this psalm. The psalm opens up and it says, we praise you, God. We praise you for your name is near. People tell of your wonderful deeds. Now, remember what he just said in the 74th Psalm. And he asked God to remember him. He asked God to remember his people. He asked God to remember the covenant that he had made with them. And he opens up this psalm and he says, we praise you, God. We praise you for your name is near. People tell of your wonderful deeds. As we look, or as we are in the, um, the month of November, we're going to go through and we're going to look at Psalms of Thanksgiving. And as you look at this today, I, I imagine that you're looking at this and saying, well, this, is this a Psalm of Thanksgiving? The reality is, is that, it, that it is a th- Psalm of Thanksgiving, but it shows how powerful thanks is. Many times in our life when we're not okay, what we need to remember is we need to praise God and we need to thank Him for the fact that His name is near. And people tell of His wonderful deeds. He asked God to remember His covenant. And when we look at the name of God, He's speaking of the name Yahweh. And Yahweh is the covenant name of God. Yahweh is the relational name of God. And what he is acknowledging is, is that God in his character is near. His very character will not allow him to flee his people. Because he has made a covenant with his people. And there are those who can give testimony to the fact that he is performing wonderful deeds. My challenge to you this morning is that we realize that we look and we realize that our God is near. And he is performing wonderful deeds. The congregation begins this psalm by singing that. And it's quite possible that now most people would agree the fact that God or someone in the place of God is answering back to this. And it says, you say in verse number two, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge with equity. When the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. God reminds his people, he says, hey, look, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge with equity. 
When I think about the times that I, those times when I'm not okay, it's very important for me to remember that God is our judge. And He will choose the time to judge. And He judges with equity. And in verse number three, when the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. The reality is, is that this is not the last day. And I should be thankful for the fact that my God is judge. And one day he will judge those who are wicked. And we're going to see that here in just a few moments. One day they're going to face the judgment and wrath of God. But the truth is, is that that day is not today. And the reality is, is that I do not get to choose when that happens. It is God who makes the decision on when that happens. But what I can thank Him for right now is the fact that it will happen. We live in a world of people who are wicked. We live in a world just as any other time, by the way. It's not like wickedness appeared during our time men have been wicked for all of time and the reality is is that god one day will judge the wicked and he he says i judge with equity one day the judgment of god will quake this earth in verse number two or verse number three it says when the earth and all its people quake It is I who holds its pillars firm. The truth is, when the judgment of God appears on that day, the earth will quake. And at that very moment, all of those who have stood against the things of God and stood against the character of God will realize that for all of time, it has been God who has held up the pillars of the earth. And the truth is, is as I go through my life, and there are times when I, when my world quakes, When my world is shaken, those moments when I see that I am not okay, what I need to remember is this, that it is God who holds the pillars of the earth. That my God is in control. And it is He that holds me up. In verse number 4, it says, To the arrogant I say, this is continuing in God. what God is saying here, To the arrogant, I say, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift your horns against heaven. Do not speak so defiantly. Here he gives a warning to those who are lifting themselves up. He speaks of the lifting of the horns here in this passage of Scripture. We see this in other passages of Scripture where God speaks of lifting up the horns and it's a symbol of dignity and power and strength. But in most of those passages, in those passages, we see that God is lifting someone up. God is lifting up the horns of others. But in this passage of Scripture, He makes it clear that there are some people who are lifting up their own horns. There are some people who are exalting their own selves. And God tells them, He says, Do not lift up your horns against heaven. Do not speak so defiantly. God is reminding them that, Hey, look, you cannot be defiant towards Me. We live during a time where so many people are lifting their horns up at God. And God continues to sound the warning and says, hey, look, don't speak so defiantly towards me. It's almost like some people argue 
whether or not this is the case, but in verse number six, and some of your Bibles have the word Salah right after verse number five. But you see in verse number six how that apparently now the congregation speaks back. After God has pronounced what he has pronounced, then these people look back and they say in verse number six, no one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. He says, hey, look, there's no one that it can exalt themselves in God's economy. There's no one on the day of judgment that will be able to exalt themselves before God. In verse number 7 it says, It is God who judges. He brings one down. He exalts another. I'm thankful that regardless of how people live today and regardless of what we think their prosperity is at this moment, there will be one day when God will exalt those who He wants to exalt and He will bring low those who He wants to bring love. And the reality is, is right now doesn't matter. You know, as I grew up, and even after I graduated high school and in college, I'd play sports and things of that nature. And what I learned was during all that time, it did not matter how bad things looked in between the beginning of the game and the end of the game. But what really mattered was is what the scoreboard said at the end. And if you've ever played any type of athletics or done anything of that nature, you know that's true. And there's times when, wow, the game's not looking good for the home team. And then there's other times where, man, we were, man, I can, I can remember in the second quarter when we were winning, we were way ahead, but they came back. And the reality is that the psalmist is saying, hey, on the last day, he is going to exalt those who he wants to exalt. And he will abase those who he wants to abase. But He is the one who chooses that time. Up until this point, we've seen a choice in which God makes and that no man makes for Him. But now as we continue on in this psalm in verse number 8, I want you to acknowledge that this is turning from a choice in which God makes to a choice in which we make. Man is faced with a choice. In verse number 8, And the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. He's speaking here of how on the day of judgment he likens the wrath of God to a cup that is going to be poured out on the wicked. And the Bible says, And all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. This is a full cup of wrath that God will pour out on the wicked. You know, Jesus Himself echoes this fact in Matthew chapter 23. It says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be Exalted. The book of James tells us that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. When you look at this passage of Scripture and you think of this cup of wrath, or you see this picture of this cup, there are commentators and different ones that point out the fact that we can now look in our minds towards what this possibly was speaking to in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Mark chapter 14, when Jesus speaks to His Father and He says, Abba, 
And he tells him, he said, you can do anything. And he says, you, if you would, would you let this cup pass from me? And he says, nevertheless, but he says, your will be done. The reality is, is that God for mankind suffered. Jesus suffered the wrath of God for mankind. Jesus died in our place and in our stead as He hung on the cross of Calvary. And the truth is, is that you and I have a choice. We can drink the cup of His wrath one day when the judgment of God falls upon this earth and this earth quakes. Or we can drink the cup of the new covenant that we drank last week as we remember what Jesus did for me, for you and for me. And the reality is that we can put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we can be numbered with the righteous. And on the last day, we will be exalted. As you go further into this psalm, now in verse number 9, you kind of wonder who's speaking here. You don't know if it's the congregation or possibly it's a third party. You don't, there's so much about this psalm that you could go back and forth about. But in verse number 9, it says, As for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God. Of Jacob. Here the decision is being made. He says, hey look, as for me. He said, I'm going to declare this forever. As for you and I, we should declare this forever. As for you and I, we should sing praises to the God of Jacob. It's very interesting that he mentions the God of Jacob. Over and over again in scripture, you'll see him referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's always the last in line. He, of course, would have been the, next, the, the one that came last in line. But as you think about that, I want you to think about this. The reality is, is that when you look at the passages of Scripture that where we see Jacob and you see the birth of Jacob, Jacob was a deceiver. The truth is, is that he was a hill snatcher. He was the twin that came out second. It was Esau and then Jacob. And the truth is, is that Jacob was the unlikely one. Jacob was the one that should not have received the blessing. Jacob was the one that really wasn't in line for the inheritance. But the truth is that we serve the God of Jacob. And what I want to tell you this morning is, yes, it is unlikely that we receive God's blessing. It is unlikely that the day of judgment that we should be lifted up. But I'm thankful that Jesus suffered the wrath of God for us. And I'm thankful that if I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then I can say that I serve the God of Jacob and I will partake in the blessings of God. And on the last day, I will be exalted. As you see in verse number 10 here, it says, who says now this is God again. This is speaking for God. It says, I will cut off the horns of the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. I began today by saying that it's okay to not be okay. But this is what I want to tell you this morning. It's okay to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. As I have gone through over the last several weeks, and like I said, there's been days for all of us that I believe that we have not been okay. Even this past week, there was 
days this past week. There was a day this past week that I didn't show up here at the church until everybody else had left. And to be honest with you, it was just because I wasn't okay. This past week, I read a book. I came across a book and I read a book by Craig Rochelle. The name of the book is, is Winning the War in Your Mind. I want to encourage each and every one of you, anybody who can get a hold of that book, you should read that book. The truth is, is that as a Christian, we have a war that is raging in our mind. And the difference between being okay and not being okay starts here. Just like the psalmist in the 75th Psalm, they made the decision that they were going to declare and praise God forever. Then we have to make that same decision. Craig Rochelle in that book, he He tells us this. He says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. There's so much truth in that. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And then he asks this. He says, where are your thoughts taking you? Where are your thoughts taking you? This past week, to be absolutely honest with you, my thoughts were not taking me in good places. The Word of God speaks to this. The Apostle Paul speaks to this in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Now, we're going to talk about that true here in just a second. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Now, to be truthful, the reality is is that I look at that and I say, I can't. Well, that's easier said than done, right? But if you read the rest of that passage as the Apostle Paul writes that, he gets to Philippians 4.13. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, you and I, it's okay many times to not be okay, but the truth is, is that we can't stay that way. And that the Word of God tells us that those things which are true, that we should think on those things which are true, which are pure, which are honorable. And the truth is, is that God will help us to do that. As I struggled with the fact of what my mother and father had told me on that day, I'd never forget this. I'll never forget After that conversation, I walked into my bedroom and I laid down on my bed. And at 16 or 17 years old, I remember crying. (laughs) I knew my mother was going to lose her hair. I knew my mother was going to go through all that stuff. I didn't know why. I didn't understand all that. I grew up, obviously, in a minister's home. My mother played the piano. She played the piano in church and all that. And I remember... Laying there, and everything was quiet. And I remember the piano began to play. My mother sat down at the piano, and she played a song. A song that I immediately recognized. She played the song, Is Anything Too Hard for God? Some of you may be familiar with that song. I don't, I don't know. But this is how the words of this song 
went. And I remember sitting there and thinking about these words and hearing my mama in the other room on the other side of the wall play this song. This is how this song goes. It says, it's out of your hands. You've done all you can do. You've given God the problem. It's no longer up to you. You've prayed the prayer of faith. You're standing on God's truth. While you're waiting on your answer, He has a question for you. Just like our psalm this morning, this song speaks for God. And this is what it says. Is anything too hard for God? Who's got a problem beyond His power to solve? Are there situations He's not the master of? Is anything too hard for God? Let me ask you this. Is anything too hard for God? No, there's nothing. That's too hard for God. And as I laid there in that bed and I heard my mother play that song, this is what that song says, that only believe, trust His Word, and you'll see. His plans are now unfolding, performing perfectly. It's clear how much He loves you. Look at all He's done. For all your questions, there's really only one. Is anything too hard for God? My challenge to you is this, is that we need to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we need to remember the good things in which God has done. It was on that very day, that moment, that I realized that thankfulness and praise are awfully powerful. And there are times in my life where I do not want to praise Him. There are times in my life where I do not want to thank Him for what's going on at that moment. But the truth is is that I have plenty to be thankful for. As I read that book, Craig Rochelle tells us, he says that he gives the illustration of Matthew chapter number 4 and the temptations of what Jesus went through. The truth is, is for all those negative thoughts that are going through our hearts and minds, we have to replace them with truth. And the truth is is that our God, even though we may not see Him, our God is near. The truth is, is that if we put our faith and trust in Him, that He will direct our path. The truth is, is that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. The truth is that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And when I have those thoughts, when I have those moments when I am not okay, I have to confront Satan with truth. You know, as I was growing up, there was times, and I'm finished. I was growing up, and there was times where chalk talk evangelists would come in. And I don't know if you've ever seen a chalk talk evangelist, but they share a message and they share a truth in God's Word and they share the gospel typically. And the whole time they're sharing it, they're drawn. And as you sit there, the congregation, you look at it, and you're trying to figure out what the picture is going to be. You don't, you don't know what all's happening. But there were some of those chalk talk evangelists, this is what they would do. They would take a chalk, a piece of chalk, and they would make marks on the board, but you couldn't figure out what they were doing. There was, it looked like there was nothing being written on the piece of paper. And you can only see half of the picture. And the truth is, is that as you look at that half of the picture, you're thinking, what is going on here? I don't get what's going on. And I'm trying to picture, I'm trying to visualize in my mind the direction that we're going. 
But at the end of his message, this is what he would do. He would walk over to that picture. Sometimes they would dim the lights. And he would flip on a black light. And when he flipped that black light on, you would see a beautiful, complete picture. And every time I saw that, I'd say, wow. I didn't see that coming. Wow. What a beautiful picture. Let me tell you this one day. Our God will one day judge and He will judge with equity. And for all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ and have a covenant with Him, He's going to flip the light on. And what I want you to know is is that no matter what you picture in your mind at this very moment, it's not near as good as the picture that He has. And if you're not okay this morning, I want you to exalt Him and thank Him for that. And I want you to exalt Him and thank Him for who He is and what He's done and what He is going to do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we are thankful for Your Word this morning. We are thankful for truth. Lord, we know there's times in our lives as human beings where we're not okay. And the reality is, Lord, is that even Jesus Himself, while hanging on the cross, He asked why. He asked His Father, why has He forsaken Him? He asked that that cup of wrath would pass from Him. But the difference was, the reality was, is that He was still obedient to You. And I pray, Lord, that we would realize that sometimes we're going to be in the situation where we're not okay, and sometimes we're going to ask why. Lord, help us, Lord, to draw from Your strength and to think on things that are true. To think on the fact that, Lord, You are near. And You do wonderful, wonderful deeds. And one day, Lord, You're going to flip the light on. And one day, we'll see the complete picture that you've drawn. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing this.
course a cappella. And when before the throne I stand in Him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all. This morning, there'll be some guys there with uh, plates to receive your offering. If you're more comfortable, there are boxes on the wall as you go out under the portico that you can do that. We thank you for being here today. I pray you've been challenged, encouraged, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you paid it all. Lord, pray, I pray that we will look to you for every answer. And when we're not okay, though we understand you are the answer. We love you, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.